Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What. Today we've got Holly on and she's a software engineer. Hi Holly. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. You? I'm good. Amazing. Let's jump straight in then Holly. Do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Yeah, so like I said, I'm Holly. I am a Microsoft software engineer too on the Microsoft search assistance and intelligence team. Um, we're a global team, but I am actually based out of London. Um, so what we kind of do is focus on bringing kind of intelligence and again, search assistance, all of that kind of stuff to various places within Windows and Edge. And we're really trying to help people um, kind of be their most productive, have their most impact and really focus on kind of, um, the good work that they're trying to get done. Um, so I know my job is pretty variable from day to day. Like I've been working on, I think this is probably my fifth project of the year. I've never quite been on so many projects at once, but it does mean that I get to, uh, you know, tackle loads of different challenges and work across loads of different kind of tech stacks. So how did this all start for you then? Why did you decide to go into software engineering? Yeah, so I've actually been interested in tech for quite a long time. So I used to play like video games, like predominantly like Xbox and PC games. Um, and I did a lot of gaming with my dad, actually. And so we would always be talking about kind of the things that we enjoyed and what we didn't like, what we'd like to see and, you know, in later releases or what we would change. And that kind of got me thinking about, you know, really the technology that makes up these games themselves. And so mm -hmm. I was really inspired by that and wanted to, you know, create the games that I was playing. Um, so I ended up getting my first like proper star, I'd say, you know, I'd done a little bit on my MySpace page, you know, a little bit of programming there, but <laughs> my first real programming was at a university called Digipen. And you, you probably don't recognize that name, but you'll probably recognize a game that's come out of that university. So Portal, you know, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. was actually a student project oh, by wow. students by Digipen that ended up getting like bought out. And I think they hired the, the students as well. And then it turns into a this big game that we all know named Portal. And so I actually have one of the original copies of that game. How cool. Um, but so they were they were who kind of got me started. So I did a C++ games programming camp with them for like six weeks over the summer. It's a lot of fun, pretty intense. C++ is definitely a, a, a tough language to start <laughs> with. Um, but it was a really a good kind of way of diving straight into the industry. And I ended up following that up with um, doing, I did like a advanced placement computer science in high mm -hmm. school, so like AP computer science. And that's where I learned like Java and some web development. And it was at that point that like from, I decided to kind of, you know, take the plunge, pursue a full time at university. Uh, I don't know if you can tell I'm American. And so I decided to go. <laughs> 5,000 miles away from home to study computer science and did my internship at Microsoft. So like I said, moved 5,000 miles away from my home in Seattle where Microsoft is based so I could work <laughs> at a place, so I could work at Microsoft in London. Um, so my journey's taken me literally all around the world, um, but it all really started with this love of games. How cool that your, you know, your love of gaming with your dad has ended up in some sort of career that, that you love. 
I know it was a great excuse to play games, you know, yeah. <laughs> telling my mom, she's like, come on guys, you know, that's enough for today. I'd be like, well, it's research and, you know, <laughs> development. <laughs> so how did this all turn from, you know, you're, you're studying at university to actually getting your first job in coding because it's a massively competitive space at the moment, isn't it? There are a lot of jobs, but there's equally a lot of people that want to get into it. Yes. So this is something I really recommend to a lot of people, which is to apply for internships, apprenticeship schemes, grad roles. Like I personally think that is the easiest and best way to get into a company. So that's what I did. Um, One of the reasons why I actually ended up moving to England was because of the integrated year-long placement year. So I really wanted to get a lot of industry experience and you know, the U.S. obviously does like summer internships and you can technically, you know, take time off during the semester to do these internships, but it's not quite as robust of a system. And so I wanted um, I wanted to really to kind of maximize my opportunities for building these connections in industry. And so I chose a university that was very well known for having big placement schemes. Um, so just applied through their system. Microsoft was the first place I applied to, and it was the last place I finally heard back from because it was quite a long application process. I think I had like five or six rounds of interviews. Wow. Um, yeah, it was a little, little bit of commitment there. Um, but it, when I finally got that, you know, email that was like, congratulations, you have an offer, like tears, you know, it's just yeah. like, so excited and you know, it's, uh, it's meant that, so like I worked on Paint 3D during my placement year and then I worked on Xbox actually over the summer oh, Wow! following my placement year. So I did 15 months internship experience before I graduated. And how was working at Xbox? I bet that was an absolute dream for you, isn't it? Oh, it's so cool. It was mm. so cool. I mean, they really spoiled their interns and you know, the projects that I got to go on was really cool. Like I was working on um, improving some functionality for kind of VR gaming. And my feature actually was like first deployed on uh, Minecraft and VR. And wow. So I, was like, I was like, I've gone for the biggest game platform or biggest game at the time. So amazing. Um, definitely pretty cool. And I can tell you now it was a tough decision on whether or not I was going to continue working at Xbox in Seattle or move back to London to keep working with my current team. Um, obviously, I ended up back with my London team for a variety of reasons. But um, I always say to people, getting those internships is really, really valuable because I only ever had to do one round of interviews, right, which was my first placement year. And then my Xbox one, I got basically through, you know, I just had a bunch of experience and also I had a network within Microsoft so I could interview directly with the partner lead at Xbox. Um, and then I got my grad roles and all like all without interviewing because they just made me my offers. And so I think for people who are trying to look into it and get who are students, I would recommend going through of the internship application process especially because they hire for potential and growth and stuff like that so it sounds like you've got a lot of experience in a sort of really big um breadth of different roles and and sort of parts of the the development sort of world Mm -hmm. for anyone listening to this and thinking you know i really want to get into this what are some of the key skills that you'd recommend they start to learn now to be able to make themselves stand out that's a great question and I think the classic answer is always going to be, especially for 
um, you know, a software engineering role, like you do need to have like pretty decent technical skills. I'd say a lot of the technical skills I gained while I did, you know, university, all that kind of stuff. A lot of the skills I gained were actually on the job. Um, and because it was specific technologies, specific languages, all that sort of stuff. Um, so definitely, obviously, like building up your kind of foundational technical knowledge. However, on the other side of that, I always call these sort of like professional skills. I don't really like the term soft skills because I don't think it gives them enough kind of weighting and power. Yeah. Um, but I, a big part of working on a team is really this communication piece. People are usually the hardest and most complicated part of any kind of team working or working on a product. And so being able to kind of clearly communicate, know when you need to share certain information, um, knowing when to ask for help and how to ask for help. Like, I think there's definitely an approach where it's like, for me, I was quite nervous asking questions when I first joined, just cause you know, a bit of imposter syndrome, the classic. Mm. Um, but what I learned how to kind of frame my questions in a way that made me feel like I was still in control and I had tried to do things, um, I think, helped me both to get to my answer, the answer quicker, and also kind of build up those relationships and leave a good impression with those people on my team. And so I think it's definitely don't neglect your, your professional skills, those communication, networking, all those sorts of things, because they certainly, they certainly will help you stand out, especially in the tech industry where, you know, as stereotypes go, those aren't usually people's best <laughs> <laughs> so, you know that's come up a lot we've we've had a few few software developers on and that's been a really key um point that they've made that you know usually like you say personality wise uh, maybe a bit more introverted less likely to sort of stand up for themselves and and um, communicate clearly to key stakeholders that make decisions um so if you can work on that it could it could really really benefit you in the industry right Exactly. Absolutely. And I think they only become even more important the higher up you go in your career, like, because at some point, for the most part, people end up getting a little bit far further away from the code as they become like more managers mm. or, you know, whatever, not else. And so being able to have those skills and, you know, being able to kind of, I think for me, I try to foster and grow those now. Mm -hmm. I use them every day, but even, even just so that when they become really crucial, I have all of this practice experience and, you know, kind of examples of when things went well and when things <laughs> didn't go well. So it's worth, it's worth investing into, that's for sure. And for anybody listening, and maybe they don't even know the first thing about coding, is there anything you can recommend, maybe some courses, maybe on something like free code camp, where they can just jump in and, and have a go? Yeah, so there's a loads of great platforms that have a bunch of free stuff out there. So like free code camp, like you were saying, I've used EDX before, which is quite a good one if you want to take classes from um, big institutions or big universities. So it's just like you can take a class from MIT on there. I've done one, I think, from Harvard or it was another one that was done by Microsoft. So there's some big names there and they're all free. The only thing you have to pay for is the certificate at the end if you want one. Um, otherwise, they're free. My personal preference of platform has always been Udemy. Um, I just think they're about 10, 15 pounds a course uh, when they're on sale, which only buy on sale because there's <laughs> almost always a sale. Um, but I've always found Udemy to be quite a good one where 
the, the quality is quite high. The teachers tend to be quite engaging and you can really see kind of what their curriculum is and the reviews of people to determine which ones are best. Um, so depending on what you wanna get into, I mean, there's a whole bunch. I have some uh, links that I can share later, like maybe just include it. In yeah, a fantastic. Yeah. Of the ones that I've done myself or, you know, other people I know have done. So there's definitely some good ones out there. And I find that's a great way. Like whenever I end up having to teach myself something new, I also just go to Udemy and, you know, start from scratch and kind of build up and practice alongside them. Mm. And for you, what is an average day like as a software developer? Yeah, so my days usually start around 9.30, sometimes a little bit earlier, especially in this pandemic. I can just kind of wake up and start working now. Um, but usually start around 9.30 um, because I work with a lot of international folks. I get quite a lot of messages and emails overnight, so I tend to catch up with those um, right away. We do like the classic team stand-up where we talk about um, what we did yesterday, what we're doing today, any blockers that we might have had. Um, and after that, you know, my days are pretty flexible and variable. So I'll kind of split my time between, you know, writing code, architecting features, you know, looking at doing kind of some like team management and planning stuff. So like I, part of my role now is increasingly been kind of supporting my wider team and kind of leading team meetings and stuff like that. So I'll do some of that kind of work. Um, I've also been doing a lot more kind of work on the data side and telemetry, understanding that and kind of how our applications are performing. Um, but outside of the technical stuff, it's also a lot of, you know, one-to-ones with my manager or my mentors or getting involved in events. Like that's one of the nice things about Microsoft is there's a huge community out there. And so people are always putting on, you know, different events and talks to kind of help each other grow or just connect with each other. And, you know, the future of software development is kind of always in the news, you know, new breakthroughs in computer technology and AI and things like that. But what do you think are going to be some crucial skills to take forward as technology evolves and as software developing evolves? Yes, this is an interesting one because I think about this quite often because the skills that, let's say, you know, my my dad needed when he was doing more computer science-y things early in his career are kind of different from the ones that I use now. Mm. Um, and I think as we look forward, it's going to be like we, we know that cloud technologies are massively growing. Um, we know AI is a huge space that's increasing kind of in relation to that data science is also a big industry that's growing. Um, and so I would suggest to people to um, focus on the languages that are growing, understanding where the industry is heading and think about which ways, like what what value can a human provide that a computer cannot? Uh, so we talk about like there's loads of tools out there and even GitHub released their own tool recently about, you know, like programming AI or whatever. And so mm. it's like okay, more and more we're getting to the point where like technology can kind of help itself. We have so many website builders, but it's like what kinds of things can you offer that maybe a computer will probably never be able to offer or that unique values, like even considering things like ethics and AI. 
you know, mm -hmm. lots of space that a computer really is probably never going to be able to consider without human involvement. Um, those math skills and being able to analyze analyze data is really valuable. Um, I know for me, I've been trying to focus on uh, the fact that I have breadth of knowledge as well as depth, but like breadth of knowledge because the languages are constantly changing. So like for me, one of my my concerns, and this is just like a, something I keep in the back of my mind is because I work at Microsoft, there's a lot of Microsoft specific technologies. So like one of the languages I use is called XAML, which I suspect most people have not really heard of. Um, and that's great because it gives me loads of um, internal Microsoft value, <laughs> you know, like I yeah, have yeah, a yeah. lot of career, career security just because I have a skill that not many other people have. At the same time, if I end up leaving Microsoft for whatever reason, I suddenly have a gap in my skills. So I've spent quite a bit of time on my own time also learning other languages and staying up to date with my web tech and things like that. Um, and it ends up coming around quite nicely for me because one of the projects I ended up being put on was in React and uh, TypeScript. And so because I had kept up to date with these other languages and made sure that I wasn't having kind of future-proofing myself a little bit, mm. future-proofing my skills, I was able to jump on that project and deliver something in six months. So oh, that's wow. actually released to users now, which is kind of wild. <laughs> Yeah. And it kind of, we might've gone over this a bit, but it's, it's always a key question for us. What kind of personality traits do you think have really helped you kind of thrive in this industry? Yes, it's, that's a great question. I think one of the things that's helped me the most, and this sort of goes back to what we were just saying was it's really about having a growth mindset you are never going to know everything in technology. And even if at one singular moment you feel like you do know everything, something probably is going to be released to the point where you don't know it the next day. You know, like there's always something else to learn. And I think being comfortable with the fact that you might not know everything, but you can figure it out um, has been something that's really helped me, like especially when I was dealing with my imposter syndrome in my first like internship it was growing kind of trust with myself to know that I would be able to deliver something, even if I didn't initially know how to do it. And so I think that growth mindset, being comfortable with challenges and change and really kind of looking for, you know, what is the best experience for your users is really going to be um, kind of a key thing here, that customer focus, um, again, along with, you know, people skills, <laughs> those, always, yeah. those always help. A positive attitude will uh, take you far. <laughs> I think you bring up a, a really good point as well, as well about imposter syndrome. Um, I recently even had a bit of, uh, well, quite a bit of imposter syndrome in a, in a separate sort of business dealing. And I was, I was sort of, as I was walking to the meeting, thinking, what am I doing? Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not qualified for this. What's going on? And then it ended up going better than I could have expected. Um, and it just shows you it's just your brain sort of panicking, but there's just no need for it. Yeah, I think something that helped me once was, well, first, when I had my imposter syndrome, I didn't even realize that there was a term for it. So when yeah. I found out that there was a term, I was like, wow, I'm not alone in this. And what even kind of hit that home even more was when I heard the stat that like, 70% of people have experienced imposter syndrome like at some point in their lives. And I, I'm surprised it's 70. I would say it's like, it must be like 90% surely. Everybody must have that feeling. 
I, I would have thought so. Maybe some people are far too, uh, <laughs> can't, can't, can't tell anyone, <laughs> but I think it, it's, it's reminded me at times that like, especially if I'm feeling imposter syndrome, where I'm like, you know what, someone else in this room, or even the person I'm feeling like an imposter to might be feeling like an imposter to me as yeah, well. Yeah. You know, it's like, we are all people and I try not to be super intimidated by people just because we're all you know, normal people. And I think feeling comfortable with the fact that, again, like, you know, imposter syndrome comes and goes. And I think it's often a good sign with the fact that you're pushing yourself to grow, you're pushing yourself to become better. You know, if you get mm. comfortable and you're not facing imposter syndrome, it probably means that you're not growing anymore and it might be time for a change. Yeah, so I agree with that. Yeah. I've, I've, had to, I've really shifted my mindset on imposter syndrome from something that was really terrible for me <laughs> to something <laughs> that I think can actually kind of help help me and help sh- like drive my career yeah definitely and for you what would be the number one positive you've taken out of working in this industry so far Ooh, I think the number one thing for me that I just I just love is impact at scale like that Mm -hmm. to me is the biggest thing I've always been incredibly passionate about trying to help you know I was a big you know like when I was younger I was constantly thinking about the animals and the environment and all that (laughs) stuff and I was like how am I gonna do that so my love of tech comes from video games and animals and I was like I can help people on like using tech and so I think it's quite nice that I can write something and you know it can be used around the world and mm. help change people's lives or at least make make their day better make them have more fun connect with other people more things like that i think that's one of the most rewarding things you know when you hear that your code has been shipped to like dozens of millions of people yeah <laughs> but it's a really cool experience and on the flip side of that what would be something that's less favorable or negative about working in the industry so far so this is an interesting one and if you've probably interviewed any other women I suspect they might have said a similar thing but it is not always the most pleasant experience being Mm. a minority in tech I think that to me was one of the big sources of my imposter syndrome because I was like the only female intern. You know, it means that sometimes when you go into a room that you can just kind of tell people are doubting you or you don't have that, like I describe it as the same kind of inherent trust. Like I feel like I have to prove myself before people will give me respect. Well, maybe somebody else, someone who looks more like them has a similar background to them. They will just have that same kind of inherent trust and respect. Um, Especially for me, you know, really bubbly blonde personality. (laughs) Like it's just kind of like all the stereotypes are possibly not in my favor, but you know, it's, it's one of those things again, where I try to turn these, things that are negatives into positives, you know, use it as kind of fuel to know that like help push for greater diversity in STEM and realize that, you know, the fact that I am one of one in a room, you know, that I'm offering a different perspective or insight than maybe somebody else can. And, 
you know, there's been times where I've left feedback or raised bugs where I'm like, this seems a little bit suspicious. And, you know, I've read the results on those bugs later when they get resolved and they're like, yeah, that does seem a little bit off. Thanks for raising that. And it's because, you know, they've had somebody that's come from a different perspective and mm. kind of brought something else to the table. So, you know, it's not always the nicest, but I've also made a massive community of women in tech. And, you know, I think we're kind of united by the fact that we're all kind of pushing and struggling through the same things. No, definitely, definitely on the, uh, on the right tracks. And it's, um, it's an important, uh, important message to raise. Mm-hmm. Um, and what would be something that's probably not in your job description, but you have to deal with on a daily basis? not in my job description um so i do a lot of work that i have taken on so i don't know if i'd say i deal with it just because i have actively sought it out but something that's not in my job description is i do a lot of work with the women at microsoft employee resource group so like i said before there's like these loads of these communities inside microsoft and especially for groups that Uh, maybe need a bit more support or a stronger sense of community, things like that. So there's a whole bunch of them. Um, I'm part of a few, but my biggest one I focus on is the women at Microsoft group. So it's quite a nice thing for me to be able to both have kind of my, you know, more focused tech role inside of my team, but also get involved in the wider Microsoft and helping other people in their careers, you know, learning, growing, um, through some of the work and the events that I host for the women at Microsoft group. Um, so it's it's nice that my managers and, you know, the company really respect that and understand that. And, you know, recently this worked great in my favor. It was not, not the intention, but it's worked great in my favor where uh, Microsoft has actually made uh, contributing and promoting DNI as part of our um performance and so you are rewarded better if you actually support and promote dni in whatever way that might be you know and so it's kind of nice to see that they've spoken to their values or actually Mm. putting their money where their mouth is a little (laughs) bit um so it's not quite in my job description but it's something that microsoft kind of allows me to do and it makes me really happy doing it Amazing. And to sort of round off, would you still go into this industry knowing everything you know now? Oh, absolutely. If anything, I would have tried to do it a lot sooner. (laughs) (laughs) I'm quite quite upset that it took me so long to actually start learning how to program. And even more so, especially now that I'm seeing all these like amazing young people being so driven to, you know, one, get into the industry, but also, you know, help other people get there. I keep thinking to myself, I'm like, I was like, for ages in high school, I kept all of this stuff to myself because I was, you know, these were boy things. And Mm. if I had just been kind of, you know, brave enough to share this a bit wider or create some group or, you know, do something I could have had a head start on or helped more people like earlier and help them get on this path. So definitely no regrets. I mean, or I definitely wouldn't have done got into a different industry i probably just would have tried to get into this industry even sooner (laughs) yeah it sounds like you're super passionate about it um and where could people find you and what you're up to any social medias or anything like that 
Yeah, so I guess the other part of my role these days is um, running the Her Hello World platform. So it's something I founded back in 2018. It's been a couple of years now. Um, and for those who don't know about it, it is basically a platform where I'm trying to democratize tech and career coaching to help underrepresented communities kind of enter tech and really thrive once they're there. And um, so I am on Instagram and TikTok on at Her Hello World. And I also have a website, also Her Hello World. And if you subscribe to my newsletter, then there's some good free stuff that you will get in return. Um, but that's the best place to find me. Amazing. Thank you again for coming on, Holly. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. Pleasure.